ahead and have a seat. We're going to open up the Word of God here in, in just a second. But I want to just take a minute um, to thank you for those of you who prayed for us uh, for this week. And I don't want this to be a long thing, but I want to answer a question that everybody's asking is that's how are you guys doing? Now, some of you may not even have a clue what I'm talking about, but after seven years after the death of our daughter, Amanda, um, we finally went to trial this week. And um, we were there for four days um, through in Indianapolis um, going through the trial and people have been asking, how you doing? So here's the answer. You ready? Um, there's joy in the Lord. That's the answer. And um, we are exhausted from the week. It was an exhausting week, um, but we're relieved as a whole family unit. And um, we're relieved because uh, for all this time, and we continue to, and you do too, we trust in the Lord. And in this kind of situation, the scripture says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So we have been putting, um, putting justice in the hands of Almighty God and our legal system, which in, you, know, you can think is pretty broken at, at times but, um, because it's run by men. But we've been putting our faith in those two things and our trust in those two things, the Lord and our legal system. And um, after four days of... Um, of trial, um, they the perpetrator was found um, guilty on almost all the all the counts. Now, um, I just want you to hear this. We as a family, we take no delight or satisfaction from a guilty verdict. Um, we're grateful that justice was done, but um, our joy is from the Lord. Our joy is from the body of Christ. And I just want from all of our family and the whole Blackburn family, we just wanna thank you from the depths of our heart for your loving support, for your faithful prayer. Um, we really literally would not make it through this kind of stuff without you, um, without the body of Christ. And you know, your text messages and your emails and your phone calls have just been so helpful to all of us as a family. And what's awesome is that we don't have a trial hanging on us anymore. That's in the past and we can kind of move past that. So thank you for that. You know what I'm also thankful for is being part of a body like ours that has a really deep bench so that on days and weeks like this, when I have to be away all week, I don't have to, I could be focused on my family last week because we have guys that can bring the word and bring it strong. And today's no different. Um, Steve Etner, a dear brother, he and Heather are just a great family um, that we have had here for many, many years. God has gifted Steve and is using him in powerful ways. And he's gonna come and bring the word to us. So get your Bibles ready in Psalm 23 and let's welcome Steve back to the platform today as he preaches to it. I'm not quite sure how to follow such an amazing worship set. Wasn't that awesome? Wow. Well, Psalm 34 verse 18 tells us that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And he saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 147 verse 3 tells us he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. In Psalm 145 verse 18, it tells us that the Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call on him in truth. And I open with those three verses because I believe with all my heart that there are some here in this room, some watching online, that need some words of encouragement this morning. I believe with all of my heart that there are some brothers and sisters here this morning, possibly you, 
who are hurting, brokenhearted, wounded, crushed in your spirit. Possibly there's some serious problems going on in the marriage. Maybe there are some significant issues in the family. Maybe you have a child that's in rebellion. Maybe you're struggling with some difficulties on the job. You're undergoing some financial distress or you're experiencing some significant health concerns. Maybe you feel like things just aren't going the way you wanted them to or hoped that they would. Possibly you're sitting here this morning feeling like God is distant. He's not hearing your prayers. Maybe you're struggling with some emotions such as anger, fear, anxiety, worry, doubts. If I'm even remotely scratching the surface describing you, then I've got some really, really great news for you this morning. Would you like to hear some really great news? Then you need to open your Bibles to Psalm 23 because that's where we're gonna find it. And while you're finding that passage of scripture, I need to take a moment and I need to talk to the author of this passage. I need to go to my heavenly father and, and seek his help. And I invite you to join me in the conversation because father, we as, a, as your people desperately need you. There are those of us here who are struggling this morning. Various issues, various problems, various trials, various testings, but we're struggling and we need your, your words of encouragement. We need your help. And so we call upon you and ask, Father, that you would speak to us and that we would walk away from this time this morning, not having just been informed by the word of God, but literally transformed by the spirit of God. So thank you for what you are doing and what you're going to do. We give you the praise in Jesus' name, amen. You've probably heard the saying before that goes like this, familiarity breeds contempt. Heard that before? Well, I wanna to submit to you that Psalm 23, if we're not careful, will fall into that category. We are so familiar with this text of scripture. Many of you here probably could quote all six verses from memory. If not, you can pull little, little nuggets of truth out of that, this text of scripture. But we're so familiar with it, we, we tend to either rush through it or skip over it or even ignore it altogether. And my plan, my purpose, my goal this morning is to just park here in Psalm 23. So I want your Bibles to sit open to this text. Now, I'm gonna be sharing with you a lot of scripture. There are gonna be a ton of verses being flashed up on the screens but I want you to have your Bibles open to Psalm 23 because this is the base text we're gonna work off of. Because we're going to try to unpack some of the great truths that are nestled deep within these verses and walk away from here encouraged. So let's start by looking at the most familiar words of verse one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Familiar words, right? Are they too familiar? I want you to think with me this morning. I want to start by looking at one word in this verse that we tend to ignore. It's the opening three-letter word, the, T-H-E, the. The Lord is my shepherd. I want us to take just a couple of minutes and talk about why that three-letter word is so important, it's so critical, it's so necessary to us not just unpacking but understanding and applying this text of Scripture to our lives. The Lord is my shepherd. You see, folks, there is only one true God. Can I get a witness? There's tons of imposters. There are loads of wannabes, but there's only one true God. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, it says, there is only one God. 
In Isaiah 46, verse 9, God says, I am God. There is no other. I am God. There is none like me. In Isaiah 43, verse 11, God says, I am the Lord. Besides me, there is no Savior. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 declares, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. The point behind this simple little three-letter word, the thing I want you to walk away with this morning is the fact that God and God alone is the Lord. Amen? It's so simple. It's so powerful. And yet we tend to skip over it. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 35, it says, The Lord, he is God. There is no other besides him. In Isaiah 44, verse 6, God himself says, I am the first and I am the last. And besides me, there is no God. So in Psalm 23, verse 1, David is declaring that the one and the only Lord, that's who's our shepherd. All right, look back at verse one again. I want you to notice the second word in the verse. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Again, this is, this is so powerful. I mean, think about it, ladies and gentlemen. The Lord. By the way, that's in all caps in your Bible, is it not? Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Let me refresh your memory of something I'm sure you already know, that when you see the word Lord in all caps in the Old Testament, that's the name Jehovah. Listen to what the the psalmist is declaring. The almighty, the omnipotent, the omniscient, the omnipresent, the eternal, immutable, holy, righteous, sovereign creator of the universe, Jehovah. Folks, that's who's our shepherd. Not some God-like wannabe. It's Jehovah. In in Isaiah 42, verse 8, God says, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I will not give to another. My praise to carved idols. Here's what I want you to understand. No matter what you may be going through, no matter what you may be experiencing, no matter what you may be struggling with, no matter the trial, the test, the temptation, the problem, the pain, the loss, the anxiety, the worry, the fear, the doubts, no matter what it may be that's happening to you or around you, the Lord, Jehovah, is who is your shepherd. Who is the Lord? In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 4, it declares the Lord is an everlasting rock. That's who our shepherd is. In Psalm 18, verse 31, it says, Who is God but the Lord? Who is our rock except God? That is who our shepherd is. And if you allow that to sink in, that's why Psalm 62, verse 8, we can declare, we can trust in him. Trust in who? Trust in the Lord. Trust in our shepherd. Trust in Jehovah at all times. Why? Because God is a refuge for us. That's who our shepherd is. In Psalm 94, verse 22, it says, the Lord has become my stronghold. And my God, the rock of my refuge, that's my shepherd. I want you to take just a moment and allow those two simple words to sink deep within your heart. The Lord, Jehovah. In Psalm 32, verse 4, it says of the Lord, the rock. 
His work is perfect. His, think, think about that. His work is perfect. His work is not just perfect, but all his ways are justice. He's a God of faithfulness. Without iniquity, just and upright is he. That's our shepherd. Let's keep that Deuteronomy verse back up on the screen for just a moment, team, because I want you to see the words, the rock. His work is perfect. Do you see it there? Do you see the word perfect? Zero in on that word for just a moment because that word literally translates over to this. His work is complete. It's entire, it's whole, it's lacking in nothing, it's wanting for nothing. There's no faults, no failures, no mistakes, no accidents. This is our shepherd that we're talking about. Watch this now, watch this. Whatever God does, whatever God does, including shepherding you, is always perfect. Do you believe that? Don't take my word for it. Psalm chapter 18, verse 30 says, as for God, his way is perfect. Folks, do you believe that? I'm not asking, do you know it? I'm not asking, do you understand it? I'm not asking, are you acquiescing to that truth? I'm asking deep in your heart, in your heart of hearts, do you truly believe that the Lord, your shepherd, is perfect? Do you believe that he will perfectly lead you all the time. Now, I'm gonna assume your answer is yes. So I must follow it up with this question. Why then? Why would we not choose to unconditionally, unreservedly, unashamedly, and unapologetically follow our perfect shepherd all the time? The Lord is our perfect shepherd who will always perfectly lead us. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2, says, there is none holy like the Lord. There is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. In Nahum chapter one, verse seven, it says, the Lord, don't miss this, the Lord is good. He, the Lord, is a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. Folks, the Lord is our stronghold. The Lord is our fortress. The Lord is our perfect shepherd. Do you believe that? And if your answer is yes, then I must ask you this. Are you fully trusting him? Are you faithfully following him? Watch this now, no matter what, no matter where, no matter when, no matter why. In Psalm 34, verse 17, it says, the righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Folks, that's what a shepherd does. He delivers the sheep. Do you believe that? The Lord is our deliverer. The Lord is our refuge. The Lord is our shield. He's our salvation. He's our perfect shepherd. In Isaiah 48, verse 17, it says, the Lord is my redeemer who leads me in the way I should go. That's our shepherd. But do you believe that? Not just know it, not just understand it, not just acquiesce to it. Do you deep in your heart of hearts truly believe that? And if your answer is yes, then I must follow it up with the question, are you fully trusting him? Are you faithfully following him? No matter what, no matter where, no matter when, no matter why. All right, let's move on. Look back at verse one of Psalm 23. 
Notice the third word in the, in the verse, the Lord is. The Lord is my shepherd. Do you notice the psalmist is not saying that he will be, should be, could be, ought to be, might be. He is. Folks, that's present tense. That is telling us that the Lord is right here, right now, right now, right now, right now, in the midst of my trial, in the midst of my temptations, in the midst of my testings, my pain, my problems, my, my loss, my anxiety, my fears, my worries, my doubts, right there and then, the Lord is my shepherd. In the midst of everything, he is there. He is my shepherd. And watch this now, because this is written in the present tense, that means that he will never stop. He will never cease to be our shepherd. No matter how many times King Me gets on the throne of our hearts and we go our own way thinking we know what's best, thinking we can make the sense out of the problem, no matter how many times we wander off, he is still our shepherd. Do you understand that? Do you believe that? Listen, his ability to shepherd you is not dependent upon you. Let me repeat that. His ability to shepherd you is not dependent upon you. Your choices, your behavior, your attitudes, your life does not dictate whether he shepherds you or not. Watch this now, watch this. It doesn't determine if he shepherds you. It does determine how he shepherds you. Because no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, no matter what you may be going through, the Lord is our shepherd. Do you believe that? Not just understand it, not just know it, not just acquiesce to it. Do you deep in your hearts believe that? And if your answer is yes, then I must follow it up with the question, are you fully trusting him? Are you faithfully following him? No matter what, no matter where, no matter when, no matter why. God himself said in Malachi chapter three, verse six, I, the Lord, do not change. You're familiar with the words of Hebrews 13, verse eight, which says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you understand what that means? That in all of my yesterdays, he was my shepherd. Throughout all day today, he is my shepherd. And in all of my tomorrows, he will be my shepherd. Now, I may or may not choose to follow him, but that does not change the fact that the Lord is my shepherd. It's present tense. In Psalm 90, verse two, it says, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. The Lord is our perfect shepherd. And as our perfect shepherd, Deuteronomy 31, verse eight says, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. Who will be with you? The Lord, Jehovah, your perfect shepherd. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. So do not fear. Do not be dismayed. I, I want to submit to you that the question we must ask ourselves in the midst of whatever might be going on in your life is not, Lord, where are you? That's not the question. The question of necessity must be, Lord, where am I? Am I following the leadership and the lordship of Jehovah, my good and perfect shepherd? Or do I have King me sitting on the throne of my heart, leading me astray through all the, the, and, and causing all the storms and, and the, the turmoil that is talked about in James chapter one, verse six? 
That's the question. Look again at verse one. Notice the fourth word. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. Folks, (laughs) this is personal. David did not say the Lord is a shepherd. He did not even say the Lord is the shepherd. He said he's my shepherd. In Psalm 118, verse 28, David exclaims, you are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, and I will extol you. Isaiah chapter 25, verse 1, it says, O Lord, you are my God. I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things for me, plans formed of old, faithful and sure. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 2, it says, the Lord, don't miss that, the Lord is my strength, my song. He is my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. In Psalm 18, verse 2, it says, The Lord, there it is again, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my shield, my refuge, my salvation, my strong. Folks, that's my shepherd. Is he yours? This is personal. Have you placed your faith and trust in him for salvation? Can you sit here with me this morning and boldly proclaim, The Lord is my shepherd? And if the answer is yes, then you can, as 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, cast all your cares. Cast all your anxieties upon him. Do you know what the word all means? All means all, and that's all all means. You can cast all of it upon him. Why? The verse goes on to say, because he, he who, Jehovah, the Lord, your perfect shepherd, because he cares for you. Let's move on. Still in verse one, the Lord is my what? The Lord's my shepherd. Okay, great. He's a shepherd. What does that mean? What does a shepherd do? Why does a shepherd do what a shepherd does? Inquiring minds want to know. I I, got to admit, I'm not an expert on sheep. The closest exposure I've ever had to a sheep is a petting farm. So I had to spend some time in preparation for this message, doing some digging and doing some research and talking with someone who is an expert on sheep. So I spent quite a few hours talking with Dr. Google. <laughs> I did learn a couple of things. The first one is this, and, and uh, most of you are familiar with this because it's commonly mentioned when, when talking about sheep, especially when preaching a message, but sheep are notoriously dumb. They, they can't take care of themselves. They have no common sense. They need constant guidance. They need vigilant protection. They need 24-7 care. Does that sound like anybody you know? Like how about the person you saw in the mirror this morning? I, I, I know it fits me to a T. I, I've been known to do a few dumb things in my life, and Heather, don't say anything. In Psalm 23, verse 1, David is exclaiming, the Lord is my shepherd. Why? Because I'm notoriously dumb. I I don't know what's best for me. Oh, I think I know what's best for me. I think that this is the right way to go, but did you know that Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 tells me that the way I think is best, the way that seems right to me, the end result is death. 
in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, says that the way that I think is right is the way of a fool. It's right in my eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Now, I, I understand, I can't speak for you, but for me personally, I don't wanna be a fool. I don't wanna walk the path that leads to death and destruction. And yet I have an internal battle that goes on inside of me. And I'm sure you can relate to Romans chapter seven when Paul says the things I wanna do, I don't do. Things I don't wanna do, that's what I keep on doing. We have that constant wrestle, that constant battle between king, me, and God. I wanna be a wise man who every moment of every day follows the leadership and the lordship of Jehovah, my perfect shepherd. Because I can't take care of myself. I don't have common sense. I need constant guidance. I need vigilant protection. I need 24-7 care. Isaiah 53 verse six describes me well, and I think it probably describes you too when it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. You see, every time King Me gets on the throne of my heart, I wander away from my shepherd because I think I know what's right. I think I can handle it. David declared his personal testimony in Psalm 119, verse 176. He said, I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Can you relate? Jeremiah, chapter, 22, four, chapter four, verse 22, God said, my people are foolish. They know me not. They are stupid children. They have no understanding. They are wise in doing evil. But how to do good, they know not. This, folks, is why we need a shepherd. Not just any shepherd. It's why we need the shepherd, that perfect shepherd, my perfect shepherd. Is he yours? If your answer is yes, then I must follow it up with the question, are you fully trusting him? Are you faithfully following him no matter what, no matter where, no matter when, no matter why? In John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The Lord is my good and perfect shepherd. Is he yours? If your answer is yes, then I must follow it up with a question. Are you fully trusting him? Are you faithfully following him no matter what? no matter where, no matter when, no matter why. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, it says that the Lord, like a shepherd, the Lord will tend his flock. In his arms, he gathers the lambs and carries them in his bosom. As I did my research, one of the things I discovered is that a shepherd intimately understands the needs of his sheep far better than they do. You see, a sheep thinks it knows what it wants, but a shepherd knows what it needs. And in Matthew chapter six, verse eight, Jesus said, your father knows what you need before you even ask. So why? Why would we not follow him? Why would we not trust him? In Philippians 4, 19, it says, my God, pause for a moment, understand who this is talking about, your shepherd, your good and perfect shepherd will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Folks, this is precisely why David pens the words of Psalm 23, verse one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
Do you truly believe that? Not just know it, not just understand it, not just acquiesce to it. Do you truly deep in your heart of hearts believe that? And if your answer is yes, then I must follow it up with a question. Are you fully trusting him? Are you faithfully following him? No matter what, no matter where, no matter when, no matter why. Another passage of scripture where familiarity can breed contempt is Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. It says this, trust in who? The Lord, Jehovah, your good and perfect shepherd. Trust him with how much? With all, and what does all mean? All means all, and that's all all means. Trust him with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he, he who? Jehovah, the Lord, your good and perfect shepherd will make your paths straight. Do you believe that? Another thing I discovered is that a shepherd also thoroughly understands what threatens the sheep and he works tirelessly to protect them. In Psalm 46, verse one, it says, God is our refuge and he's our strength. He's a very present help in our trouble. Folks, that's our shepherd. Be sure that you understand whom we're talking about, what this is involving. In Proverbs 18, verse 10, it says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. That's my shepherd. And listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 138, verse seven. He says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you, who? The Lord, Jehovah, My good and perfect shepherd, you preserve my life. You, my shepherd, stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand delivers me because that's what a shepherd does. Truly, the Lord is our good and perfect shepherd. Do you believe that? Psalm 100 verse three says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. Truly, the Lord is my good and perfect shepherd. And as that perfect shepherd, look at verse two in your text, Psalm 23, verse two. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Back in 1970, just a couple years ago, There was an actual shepherd who wrote a book entitled The Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. I checked on Amazon, it's still available. It's an awesome book. It's well worth the purchase and the read. And in it, he points out that the number one reason why a sheep would choose to lie down, especially when in the midst of a green pasture, is because it's not hungry. His stomach is full. There's no need to feed. As long as a sheep is hungry, it will not lie down. So armed with that understanding, look back at verse two again. He, he who? The Lord, Jehovah, our good and perfect shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He not only knows what my needs are, but he lovingly and graciously supplies all of them. I like to put it this way. He not only fills me, he fulfills me. In Psalm 145, verse 19, it says, he fulfills the desire of those who fear him. That's my shepherd. Is he yours? 
In Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. That's what our shepherd does. In Ezekiel 34, verses 15 and 16, listen to what God says. He says, I will feed my flock, and I will cause them to lie down. I will seek that which was lost. I will bring again that which was driven away. I will bind up that which was broken, and I will strengthen that which was sick. The Lord is my good and perfect shepherd. And as my good and perfect shepherd, he not only promises to satisfy my hunger, he promises to meet all of my needs. Do you believe that? Not just know it, not just understand it, not acquiesce to it. Do you truly deep in your heart of hearts believe that to be true? And if your answer is yes, then I must follow it up with this question. Are you fully trusting him? Are you faithfully following him? No matter what, no matter where, no matter when, no matter why. Look at verse two again. He leads me beside still waters. Again, referring to Philip Keller's book, he says this. When sheep are thirsty, they become restless. They set out in search of water to satisfy their thirst. And if they're not led to good water supplies of clean and pure water, they will end up drinking from polluted potholes where they pick up internal parasites and germs and diseases. When I read that, my mind immediately went to Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, where God says, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me the fountain of living water, and they have hewed out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. You see, folks, when we try to do life on our own, when we allow King Me to sit on the throne of our hearts and we go where the King wants to go, where King Me wants, wants to go, we are going to end up drinking from broken cisterns. We're, we're gonna drink from polluted potholes that are full of soul-sickening germs and diseases that end up eating us up from the inside out. In John chapter seven, verse 37, it says that on that last day, the great day, Jesus stood up in the midst of the crowd and he shouted out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Not only does my good and perfect shepherd lead me by still waters, but look at verse three. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Do you see the word he? He who? The Lord, Jehovah. My good and perfect shepherd, the almighty, all-powerful, most holy creator of the universe. As my good and perfect shepherd, he leads me. Now, if he leads me, what's my responsibility? If he leads, I must, I must follow. If he leads... I must follow. How are you doing with that? In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, God says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Now, I got a little confession to make. There was a point in time in my life where I really, really liked this verse. Now, I, I don't want to imply I don't like it anymore, but I, I see it in a totally different light. See, I used to get warm fuzzies when I read that verse, or I heard it being read or preached upon because in my mind's eye, I pictured my heavenly father standing directly behind me with his hands on my shoulders, giving me a gentle squeeze as he nudged me and says, Steve, this is the way. Walk in it. 
This is the way. Walk in it. I now realize that I was wrong. You see, my responsibility, my number one responsibility as a sheep is to follow my shepherd. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27, he said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Now let this sink in. Think about this for a moment. If I am following my shepherd, then logic dictates where's my shepherd located? He's in front of me. Wherever he's leading, that's where I'm following. So when God says in Isaiah 30, 21, that I'm gonna hear a voice behind me saying, this is the way, walk in it. You understand what it's saying? As a dumb, stupid sheep with King me sitting on the throne of my heart, once again, I'm wandering off my own way and he's going, Steve, I'm over here. This is the way. Walk in it. Aren't you glad that you have a shepherd that will do that? In Psalm 23, verse three, the Lord is our good and perfect shepherd. He will always lead us in right paths, but you have to be focused on him. Are you? And if your answer is yes, then I must follow it up with the question I've been repeating over and over and over again. Are you fully trusting him? Are you faithfully following him no matter what? no matter where, no matter when, no matter why. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Now I want you to go to verse four because sometimes that path will lead us through the valley. And when it does, are you still fully trusting him? Are you still faithfully following him no matter what, no matter where, no matter when, no matter why? In John chapter 10, verse 23 I mean, sorry, yes, Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23, says the way of a man is not in his steps. It's not in himself. It's not in man who walks to direct his steps. You see, the fact is, sheep don't understand where they're supposed to be going. The shepherd does. Sheep cannot see the end from the beginning, but the shepherd does. Sheep cannot see the dangers that are lying ahead, but the shepherd does. Sheep cannot see the predators lurking around the corner, but the shepherd does. And as long as they're following him, he will protect them, even in the dark valley. Do you believe that? Whatever the dark valley experience is that you may be going through or might yet encounter, understand that you're going through the valley, not into. God's not taking you to the entrance of that dark valley, giving you a little salute and saying, have fun, I'll see you on the other side, hope you make it, good luck. He is with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He will lead you through the valley. In Romans chapter eight, verse 18, the apostle Paul gives this personal testimony. He said, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. In Isaiah 42, verse two, God says this, when, what? look at this, when, not if, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. The flame shall not consume you. Why? Because your good and perfect shepherd will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's with you always. I want you to look again at verse four. I want you to zero your attention for just a moment on the word shadow. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I know you know this, but let me remind you, shadows can't hurt you. They can be scary, they can be intimidating, they can feel overwhelming, 
but they cannot hurt you. They're shadows. In fact, here's a question I want you to think about. What is the one thing, one thing that is absolutely necessary in order for there to be a shadow? The answer, light. In Psalm 27, verse 1, David exclaims, the Lord is my light. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, God is light. So even when, when you're in that, that dark moment, the darkest of valleys, you're surrounded by the scary shadows, understand that the Lord, Jehovah, your good and perfect shepherd is right there with you. That is why verse four says, I will fear no evil. I referred a moment ago to Psalm 27, verse one. Psalm 27, verse one, it's an entirety, says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Ladies and gentlemen, that's my shepherd. That's why Hebrews 13, verse 6, we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I, I, I can confidently say, I will not fear. I can confidently say, what can man do to me? Isaiah 41, verse 10, God says, fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Look down to verse six. We're gonna touch base on verse five in just a moment, but I want you to skip down to verse six because it says, surely goodness, and we sang about that this morning. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. A few short years ago, we used to sing a popular chorus in this church. And it went like this, God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. You remember that? There is also a period of time when, whether you're in a church setting or some type of a group meeting, the, the, the speaker up front would say, God is good. The audience would say, and all the time, you know, the goodness of God is preached about, it's sung about, it's talked about. In fact, we will often refer to the goodness of God when something happens. For example, we avoid a horrific accident because there was car trouble or because of a delayed flight and we say, wow, isn't God good? Or someone receives, a family member, a friend receives a significant financial gift in a time of need and we talk about the goodness of God. And God is good, amen? amen. But understand this, he's not good because he does something. He's good because that's who he is. In Psalm 34, verse eight, it says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Psalm 107, verse one, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Folks, God doesn't just do good things, he is good. Listen, God cannot not be good. You cannot take the, character, the goodness out of God's character because he would cease to be God and that's not possible. Think with me about this for a moment. In the midst of your most trying circumstances, in the depths of your deepest grief, in, in your greatest pain, your worst fears, your, your wildest anxieties, even when you choose to put King Me back on the throne of your heart, God is still good because good and upright is the Lord. Phil, I can, I can understand and relate the clock, brother. 
for the tech team, I'm skipping a few things here. Have you ever gotten to a point, though, when you're in the midst of everything going on, where you say, okay, I know the scriptures are true because it's God's word, and I know it says his goodness is there, but I don't see it. I don't feel it. I'm not experiencing it. Look at verse six one more time. It says, surely of a certainty, his goodness and his mercy do what? They follow me. You may not tangibly see, you may not experientially feel God's goodness, but I assure you it's there because God is there and God is good. God's perfect promise is that his goodness is with you all the days of your life but it's following you. So when you go through that valley and you're finally up on the other side and you look back at that dark experience, that's when you'll be able to say, oh, yeah, I see it now. God is good because God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. I want you to look at the very end of verse six. I want you to look at the promise that's there. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. For how long? Forever. Do you believe that? Not just know it, not just acquiesce to it. Do you believe it? In a moment, Pastor Phil's gonna come up and close this out, but I wanna repeat one final time the question I've been driving home throughout this whole message. If you truly believe what you've heard, if you truly believe what you've read, then are you fully trusting him? Are you faithfully following him no matter what, no matter where, no matter when, no matter why? Such encouraging words, huh? We appreciate that so much, Steve. Because here's what we know. We know every single one of us has some issue in our world, some issue in our life that we're going through right now that we can apply those words to. Do you believe it? I love that. Thank you for just like repeating it over and over because this dumb sheep needs to hear it, you know, like the hammer in the head, you know, like over and over and over and over. And then you wake up to the truth. And I just thank you so much for that. Is your heart strengthened? Is your heart encouraged? That's the Holy Spirit of God working in your heart. And I just want to ask you this question, both here in the room or those of you who might be visiting online with us. If there is something that the Lord is calling you out of and calling you to, and you need help with that, we wanna help you. And we have people down here that will be in the front. Our prayer team will be down here that wanna help you, whatever it is. If you need salvation in the Lord, we can help you with that. If you need just prayer over a situation, it's overwhelming you and you're having a hard time believing what you heard today. And sometimes there's some doubt that comes into our lives about, is the Lord really there? What did we learn today? What did we learn today? Yes, he is all the time, no matter how we feel about it. But sometimes we just need some extra prayer and help and a, a friend and a brother and sister of Christ to come alongside of us. We'd love to help you with that. Let's all stand together. And I wanna say hi to the Armijos. You got the whole gang with you, brother? 
All right, Alejandro and Robin and the kids are all here. Alejandro, will you come up? These are our missionaries from Chile. They're here for, I think, a month. Um, there's a family wedding that's going on, and so it's great to have you in our, in our presence today. We love you guys. We're so proud of the work that you're doing. And uh, souls that are being saved in Chile, and... Um, it's good to have you here today. I hope I, I haven't even got to talk to you yet, but hopefully you're going to be here even more. But would you just pray um, a special prayer over us as we go today? Thank you. Lord, we thank you so much. Uh, it's wonderful to um, re remember that you are our shepherd, that you are so powerful, that we are so dumped, and we make so many mistakes, but you are there leading us, guiding us to the right path. Lord, um, Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for Jesus and his salvation. And uh, we ask you, Lord, to bless each of us for those that are facing difficulties. We pray that the, the word today will encourage them to keep trusting in you. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the family is all back there by the pillar. So everybody over there, just smother them with love, all right, and, um, and encourage them. God bless you. Encourage one another on your way out.